Hurts looking left, lofting left, going for the end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. Devontae Smith, first NFL catch. First and goal. Pressure on Hurts. He's in trouble. Has to watch the clock growing. End zone. It is caught. Touchdown. Dallas Goddard. Sanders on the fake. Instead, Rager has room. Jalen Rager for six. All right, welcome in everybody. This is the Philly Experience podcast over Zoom today, but it's still going to be a great show. You know why, guys? Because the birds got a big time victory, so it's going to be a great show. It was a great victory over the weekend against the Atlanta Falcons, probably surprising to some, not to others. And and overall, generally, uh, as we dive into it, of course, most of the show is going to be talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. It's going to be really looking at how we got the W, Um, what things we took advantage of, what things we did well uh, as a team, the birds, and then also looking ahead to the San Francisco 49ers and any other topics that we can get towards the end, we will. But I know everybody wants to uh, go full steam ahead with the Eagles here, so that's what we're going to bring to you guys. And off the bat here, let's talk about the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I mean, this guy was efficient, 264 yards passing, three touchdowns. He moved the ball down the field very well, and he didn't try to do too much, which is one of the main things that I like to see. A lot of quick passes, uh, especially early in the game. Quez had a couple of quick ones um, to open, and I like that. I mean, I thought that's the best do every day. The rushing attempts were great. So, for you guys, what stood out most? I mean, was it was it the defense holding up, holding down the fort with only giving up six points? You know was what? it the offense and Devontae Smith spreading the ball around? Um, Jalen Rager getting involved, Dallas Goddard, or maybe it was the, in the trenches, the O line and D line really dominating all game long. You know what, first and foremost, I got to get this out the way real quick because I've been filling phone calls on WIP since the game. And you know what, now all of a sudden people are like, well, you know, it really was only, you know, the it was only the Falcons. Um, this team, this win shouldn't mean anything. First off, it for all y'all people that feel that way, for all you supposed Eagles fans that feel that way, let me tell you something real quick. Shut the F up for life. That's what y'all can do. All right. How many times have we complained over the years about facing a weak team and coming out of that coming out of that uh, win with questions? How many times has that happened? We've come out of a win that we were supposed to get. We get the win, but we have questions about why maybe the offense wasn't sufficient, or maybe the defense didn't do what they were supposed to do, or maybe there was just too many mistakes. This time, we went up against a weak and downed Atlanta Falcons team. And what did we do? Not only did we win, we dominated. And we dominated convincingly on both sides of the ball. Offense, defense. Max, to answer your question, I was so impressed with everything. The offense and how everything clicked, how the plays just made sense. The RPO, Jalen Hurts' efficiency, the running game. Oh, my gosh. The defense, looking like... <laughs> looking like a leaky uh, a leaky pipe in the first half, but then coming out in the second half and just looking dominant. These are things that we've been asking for for years, Eagles fans. We did what we were supposed to do against a weak team, and I think y'all should be more appreciative of it. Yeah, definitely. For me, what stood out was how electric that offense was behind Jalen Hurts, really asserting himself as the captain of this team um, when he was on that when he was rushing that that one time, just pointing out blockers. Um, to, for his defenders to um, to get out of the way. I mean, he looked like a quarterback that's played a whole season in the NFL. And I did not see one pass that was maybe just stupid of Jalen to throw. 
and he was getting that ball out, whether it was inbounds or out, as long as he wasn't holding on to that ball, which was a problem for many Eagles quarterbacks in the past. Randy do every day. Hold on to it long. Jalen did hold on to it long in a couple of those games he played in. Um, it looks like those problems were fixed. And I love seeing the youth infused in this offense. You got Smith, Rager over there, which I think he's going to really step up this season. And even Kenneth Gainwell getting his first career touchdown. Yeah, it was Morgan. just, it was great to watch. And go ahead, say it was the Falcons, but the Falcons were a six-point favorites, I believe, um, going into this game, maybe a day or two before the game. You got Matt Ryan is on the Falcons, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley. I mean, there, there's plenty of, there's weapons. And those guys have played and we know who those guys are for the Eagles. It was really discovering who this team has and what a great time to do that. Yeah. Let's talk about Nick Sirianni too. A guy who got his first win as an NFL head coach seems to have settled down. Also you hear him in his press conferences. Now it looks like he's just really free flowing and he's really teaching uh, in a way the fans almost. I've heard a lot of people be like, well, I've learned more about football with his press conferences in one or two settings than I have with all of Doug Peterson's press conferences. I mean, he's really teaching the fundamentals, teaching the techniques, the dog mentality that he always mentions. And uh, I think it was just awesome to hear him and, and see his reaction, uh, him and Jalen Hurts on the sidelines. Obviously, their big-time handshake that went viral. So it was awesome to see him get his first win as a head coach. And when you win 32-6, to six, you're going to get praise um, in all facets of the game, defensive, offensive uh both coordinators got to get their praise as well for putting together a great game plan and let's start off with the first drive you know the falcons get the ball they move it pretty well they're running the ball well mike davis had a pretty efficient day for the most part cordell patterson we know his ability out of the backfield and you know calvin ridley had a couple of big catches on that opening drive uh kyle pitts wasn't really involved all game long which was you know credit to the defensive coordinator but uh jonathan gannon in general that opening drive was a little scary because they they ended up bogging down in the red zone. Uh, they came on, kicked a field goal with their kicker, Koo. And then also um, after that, really, Jalen Hurts was able to answer basically right back. So that opening drive was a little scary, but then Matt Ryan basically just fell apart. And that, that it, you were on point like a pencil. Uh, that offense outside of a couple outside of a couple of field goals obviously, you know, ending with six points at the end of the day, that offense didn't really do anything. And you got to give credit to this defense. And here, here's the crazy part. Before we really start nitpicking, this defense, you know what? What's scary is I don't even think that Jonathan Gannon pulled out any good tricks out of his bag. We didn't hardly see any blitzes, if we saw any blitzes. The, the front four put pressure on Matt Ryan from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. And it was just, it was beautiful. It was exactly what you would think a Jim Swartz defense should look like. In terms of putting pressure on the quarterback, they were harassing Matt Ryan from jump, and they really started getting home in the second half. And another thing that impressed me, like I said before, was the adjustments in the second half. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure what adjustments were made yet. I have to go back and look at the tape. But whatever adjustments were made in this, for the second half, they worked. The run game was shut down. Matt Ryan started getting harassed. The defense was on point on on the receivers. Calvin Ridley was a non-factor. Kyle Pitts was a non-factor. That's impressive because the offense was supposed to be the strong point, at least, of the Falcons. 
and the fact that you were able to go down there and as underdogs and able to dominate, I don't care. I don't care who you're going up against, you know, going into another team stadium and not only winning, but dominating that says something, but it must be a trend around the NFL because after looking at some of these games and looking at, you know, some of the betting odds underdogs were 12 and four for week one. That's saying something. So maybe it was just the Eagles luck. I, I don't, I personally don't think so. I think this is a legitimate dominant team, dominant team that we need to start paying attention to. One thing that's really crazy is that in his introductory press conference in the season, Jonathan Gannon said he had no idea what his defensive scheme was going to be and whatever he decided worked, obviously. And I think, the way that this team is sort of keeping low key to itself, Nick Sirianni, uh, low key kind of coach. People were concerned with his public speaking, which has nothing to do with coaching. Nope. Um, I mean, we were critical of it because why not? Because after seeing how Adam Gase handled his press conference and the way the team turned out, I mean, it, there it's why not uh, talk about that? But Nick Sirianni did a great job because we weren't talking about how bad of a job he was doing in the half halfway through the game. You know, a coach is doing a great job when you don't have to talk about it. Just like Max and I are familiar with audio mixer. If, if someone's not t- complaining about how bad the audio is uh, and at the end of the show, they don't say anything. That means you did a great job. There you go. Um, and one other point I want to bring up before we really start nitpicking, because nobody's perfect no. and, and this team can obviously still improve. How did Jalen Hurts hold on to that ball? Um, I forget what what quarter it was, but he's running just one hand on the ball. Defender comes up behind him, and I have no idea how Jalen was able to hold on to that ball. But that's just another thing that I I love about Jalen Hurts is his strength. Um, I remember he showed highlights of it last season, just pulling guys into the end zone. And for a quarterback to be that strong, agile, and able to execute his passes, man, I I really like where Jalen Hurts is going. Not only being able to pinpoint his passes, but the accuracy on top of that. Like that second touchdown that Dallas got her, do you realize how difficult of a throw that was? That was a missile. On the run. That was beautiful. And people questioned his arm strength coming into the NFL. I don't think there's any more questions about his arm strength. He threaded the needle to get it to Dallas Goddard in the back of the end zone. That was a hell of a throw. And that that is an NFL type of throw. I don't want to hear no more questions about this guy's arm strength. All right. And I think with Jalen Hurts, if you really listen to his post-press conference, man, the guy is mature. The guy knows. The guy just talks like... He's been in the NFL for 10 plus years. And it's just, it's such a breath of fresh air. Just not having to hear a, almost like a robot up there at, at the podium. It is the maturity that he has. And you obviously seen his growth, the way he was able to grow his game this past Sunday. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. And the way he just talks about how it's a team effort and the dog mentality, you know, that, it, obviously, it was infectious, and I think it's going to continue on throughout the throughout this entire season. Well, I will say this real fast uh, about the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they're not a good football team. We know that. but And people want to make the argument, right, that it's the Atlanta Falcons. They're poor. Uh, the Eagles are going to have a much tougher test when they fly home and play the Niners um, this upcoming Sunday. So when you look at the, the overall defense of the Atlanta Falcons, they really struggled. 
uh, especially in the trenches, you have Jordan Mailata, who just signed that new extension um, basically a day or two after we had our last show. So we didn't really get to talk about that too much. Um, but he really, uh, for me, showed that he deserved that contract in the first game. I mean, he played uh, really, really well. Jason Kelsey looks like he's still got some gas left in the tank. And it's great to see Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks come through game one uh, on the healthy end uh, of, of things. So when you flip the script and talk about the defensive line, Fletcher Cox really didn't have to do that much. I don't even think he was marked in the stat sheet with a tackle or a sack or anything. But you have Hargrave, who played really well and got pressure. Brandon Graham, to me, looked two or three years younger. I mean, he was moving pretty well. Um, and hopefully that's something he's able to sustain as this 17-game uh, schedule unfolds in front of us. But when you look at this game specifically, it was completely dominated on both sides of the football special teams as well, 32-6. to six. Hertz really spread the ball around. Goddard got involved. Rager didn't really get involved too, too much um, as far as on the scoreboard and so late in the game. And Jordan Mailata, again, another thing that went viral was his block on that safety. I mean, he really wiped him out and gave Rager that opportunity to fly right to the end zone. So obviously everybody else wants to react after week one, and we try not to as fans. But um, I want to also, again, get, eventually get to around the NFL here. But also when, you, when we look forward now to a San Fran team, and, and this kind of ties into where, where I want to go with things um, before I let you guys take it in the direction that you guys want to go, is that Detroit 40 San Fran game, which was crazy. I mean, it was 41-17 at one point. The Lions looked down and out, two minutes to go. Um, they were able to get an onside kick return. Debo Samuel fumbles. I mean, things just really spiraled out of control. So that is something I really want to look forward to this weekend because I think the line opens at three, three and a half in favor of the 49ers on the road, which is pretty close. I think people uh, before the season started who didn't see that Falcons game would have said, wow, on paper, the Niners come to Philly and probably blow that team out of the water. But uh, what we just saw from the Detroit Lions and Jared Goff, who uh, took a lot of, not, I wouldn't say criticism, but people were skeptical about his talents leaving LA. How would he do in a, you know, a crap shoot like Detroit the past few years? And it uh, looks like he stepped back and tried to make a, stepped up and tried to make a comeback uh, in that game. So it, a lot, a lot of stuff happened around the NFL this weekend. And you know what? Yeah, you Go real quick T, because since Max talked about Fletcher Cox, he actually, the Eagles and Fletcher, they redid um, his contract opening up a, I think it was an $11 million yes. uh, dollar cap space. So there could be moves coming up too. Um, if this team uh, shows that there is a hole um, in, in whether it's offense or defense against this Niners team, there could be an addition made to this team now. It's hard It's hard not to make that argument, but you know, going back to what you said about Malata, oh my gosh, that Rager touchdown. For anybody that didn't really see that Rager touchdown, I need y'all to pay attention to when that pass comes out and the pass going towards Lager. Rager. What Malata did to that Falcons defender is murder on the field. That is what I like to see out of my offensive lineman. I love that. That aggressiveness. I love when my offensive lineman put asses on the ground. Y'all know, y'all know I love seeing that kind of stuff. Like I'm I'm just so overjoyed. I, I don't care what nobody say. You're not killing my joy this week. We're gonna go into the 49ers and doggone it. We're gonna beat the 49ers. I don't think it's gonna be as dominant, but I'm confident. That's all I got to say on that. Nah, T, you have to say that they're going to lose so we can keep the same <laughs> sort of juju going with Max and I, well, you know, on one side and you on the other. Well, remember, I remember I said that, remember, I changed my, I changed my stance. I had said that, you know, they was going to win. Right. I know in the beginning I said they was going to lose to the Falcons, but then I changed it to a win. 
I will say this. I want to bring something else up real quick because we we kind of skipped over it in the beginning, but how we ended our last show, right? Talking about the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. And that game was another amazing way to begin the season where you had the Cowboys who really couldn't hit field goals to save their life from Greg Zerline. Um, But I thought they put the game away. Uh, But Tom Brady, of course, leads the charge right back down the field. Um, I truly didn't think there was enough time left. And I know Tom Brady is out of this world with his talent, but I just truly didn't think there was enough time left. Of course, they hit a couple of big plays down the field. I should have learned my lesson at, at that point. Never in time. bet against Always. the GOAT. But never. listen, on, Dallas, that Dallas really competed at a high level no with doubt. the best team in football, in my opinion. I mean, you can make the argument Kansas City, but Kansas City gave up a ton of points to Cleveland right off the bat. So I don't know if their defense is going to be able to hold up uh, for a full season. Uh, Dak Prescott looks healthy as a horse, 403 passing yards, three touchdowns. Uh, and that's with Z- Ezekiel Elliott being held to uh, under 10 or 15 rushing yards about that. So they really, he was out of the game script almost immediately. And Dak was able to find Amari Cooper, find CD lamb. Both guys got over a hundred yards receiving Michael Gallup looked like uh, a guy who last season was kind of faded out, but then you turn around, you flip the script and week one, uh, that Thursday night game, he looked really involved too. So uh, Dalton Schultz, another guy who was involved, I think he had four or five catches. That's the one team in this Eagles division I'm worried about. I think I, I really wasn't worried about the Giants because I don't believe in Daniel Jones. No, I think all. he might be, if not the worst quarterback, bottom three or four in the NFL. Um, so I never really – and Saquon, again, too many question marks around that ACL. I thought early on in maybe July, I didn't think about it too much. I thought, okay, Saquon would be a full go for week one. But you can see his snap count was significantly limited, and Devontae Booker got some work there too. So – uh, that Broncos team's not good. They went right into New York or New, up, uh, North Jersey and knocked off the Giants. I don't see the Giants making any sort of hay in this division. No. The, the Washington football team loses their quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I wasn't huge on to begin with uh, from the jump. But when you lose your starting quarterback, you have Taylor Heineke, who who knows, maybe he'll provide a spark. But a team that I'm not worried about, I think on paper, uh, their defense is better, but we really showed out that we can score 30-plus points. I know it was against a poor defense. I know Washington's defense is better, but after week one, you really got to buy into the fact that the Washington team might struggle to score points without their starting quarterback. So Dallas, with their offense, their explosiveness, that scares me because uh, will the Eagles be able to stop them? They played twice. Layal Collins gets a five-game suspension, uh, and the Eagles, that will affect them come week three. He won't be there uh, to play up on that offensive line at right tackle. So the Cowboys, after week one and what I've seen, their their defense is uh, skeptical, but uh, a shady, I, I guess you could say. But that's the team you got to worry about, right? You know what? Uh, yeah. Going, on, I'm sorry, I'm Tanner. Going on the um, the Washington football team always said that their defense was going to have to carry them, and that their offense was really going to be, you know, the iffy factor, even with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. That's even more confirmed with Ryan Fitzpatrick being out. And I agree with what you said about the Cowboys. Oh, God, I hate I hate the fact that I'm saying that. I'm throwing up in my mouth just thinking about it. But they look dominant. I'm, I'm not even going to front, but I've always said that. I said if the Eagles are going to be competitive in the NFC East, their main issue is the Dallas Cowboys. And as you've seen that, that offense is potent. That offense is elite, to say the least. Now, the defense, on the other hand, still is a liability. But that offense is elite. Here's the thing, though. I seen one kink in the armor, and I texted you guys about that. I seen one kink in the armor when in terms of the Cowboys, and it's not Zeke's running ability because that's been on the decline for the past couple of seasons now. I don't know if it's just me, fellas, and y'all can and y'all can debate this once once I say this. Dak looks slower to me. Is it just me? 
or did Dak Prescott look slower? He did look slower, see, in my opinion. I thought him escaping the pocket. I don't know if it was him uh, physically being slower or if he was just so hesitant to really run because I thought he had three or four opportunities where it looked like he could have ran for 10, 15, maybe even 20 yards right. down the sideline escaping the pocket, and he's he simply just either threw the ball away or kept running towards the sideline to try to extend the play and find somebody. So maybe he's just not comfortable yet. Uh, with that ankle injury yeah, I'll tell you yeah I'll, I'll tell you why he was slow Max just mentioned it the ankle injury and also he yet wasn't able to play in preseason didn't practice a lot so this didn't come as a surprise to me but what did come as a surprise was how the Cowboys kept in with the Bucks and Max went over the division and just to highlight it more this Fitzpatrick injury it it's going to change the entire division because a lot of people liked Washington winning the, the division. Yep. And with this injury that Fitzpatrick has, it's a hip flexor. That's the same injury that Tua had um, last year in Miami. And now whether Heineke, I don't know. Some people say they're more scared of Heineke because he's, it's sort of unknown still in a way, which is weird to say. I, I don't know if I'm on that boat, No, but you have the giants who, okay. Uh, I'm just going to name things going against each team. The Giants, Daniel Jones. Uh, this is a contract year, and he does need to prove himself. But, I mean, just interceptions, and it's just fumbles. It's just all the time with him. And you have the Cowboys, as we mentioned, Collins out for five games. That's very important because yes. although the Cowboys did stick in with the Bucks, now they're without their tackle. And that's very important for a guy recovering from an injury back there still getting used to back into the rhythm of an NFL game in Dak Prescott and the Eagles what's going against them or what's going for them is how Jalen Hurts plays and performs now he was on the Falcons game but when he's off how important is that going to be obviously he's the quarterback but some teams are able to get past that plug in a second string quarterback we have Gardner Minshew and Joe Flacco I'm leaning more towards Gardner Minshew as becoming that second string over Joe Flacco but we have yet to see how he's going to play and the weapons can they continue to stay hot for the Eagles and you know just uh those things going against the team but I think that this team it could it's going to be, for me, it's going to be the Cowboys and Eagles battling it out like it usually is yep. for the division. Yep. And just real quick, yeah. how how refreshing was it, guys, to have a number one wide receiver constantly getting open and getting the ball in his hands? Is it just me? It, it, it was very refreshing. Your number one wide receiver, Devontae Smith, constantly getting open, getting the ball multiple times. It, it, to me, it was just whew, it was refreshing. I knew that it wasn't going to be a problem with his weight. And, I, and again, people will make the argument, oh, it was only one game. Like, he'll get, he can get blown up in game two. But that never was a factor for me. I mean, this guy is just out of this world talented. Uh, his route running, his speed, the ability to catch basically anything that's thrown his way. I mean, this guy's going to be a legit wide receiver one in this league. Now, does he have the size like a Julio Jones when he was younger and guys like that? Will he ever be a DeAndre Hopkins or – you know, a Justin Jefferson, like what we saw this year. I mean, with the Jefferson comparison, I mean, they're not built the same way, but maybe they, that uh, Devontae Smith can get to um, maybe that type, sort of production. Last year, when you look at Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, who I think missed a few games, that was just 
Jefferson getting peppered with targets. So as long as we're able to spread the ball around as a team with the Eagles and having Jalen Rager involved, because watching that game week one, it looked like they had a game plan for Jalen Rager to be able to get him involved. I think he had five, six catches, which is what you like to see. And it's like last year, it's almost like they didn't know how to use him with Doug Peterson's scheme. So it was, it was great to see that. But when you look at Jalen Hurts, the only thing that I have, I think after week one, because the better he plays and and the better he looks in training camp uh, and and now obviously after week one, it's just that in the back of my mind that just keeps bothering me is watching him at Alabama struggle. And I'm hoping that he's one of these guys that can really um, mature. Obviously he's gotten older. He's gotten more football under his belt. He's worked with NFL coaches with the best of the best in the whole world. That's why they're NFL coaches. And he can really uh, hopefully one of the coaches, two of the coaches can take him under his wing and really groom him because it's scary. He was just such a heavy runner at Alabama. Um, and then tr- obviously Tua takes over. He transfers to Oklahoma. And that's kind of where he broke through Lincoln Riley, the best quarterback mind or one of the best quarterback minds in the whole world, uh, be able to really help Jalen Hurts, I think, just improve his passing ability because that's what his weakness was at Alabama. That's ultimately why he was taken out uh, in favor of Tua because he couldn't throw the football. Uh, what we've saw at Oklahoma and what we've seen through his short Eagles tenure I have more hope, uh, more faith and confidence in him moving forward. And that's just going to continue to grow. Now, does that mean he has to go out there and win every single game of his career? No, it's just not going to happen. But if he has stat lines like he just did, 264, three touchdowns, is he able to stay elusive, scramble out of the pocket, be able to extend plays, run? Another thing, I, I and I don't have the number off the top of my head. Maybe you guys could help me out. Uh, his amount of rushes. I don't know how many times he full-on full rushed uh, and took off, but I don't think it was too, too many. And that's something that I really like to see. There wasn't a ton of times where I saw him running out of the pocket. I mean, there was somewhere he needed to, but you don't want your quarterback taking a ton of hits. And that's something that I just want to, you know, kind of get veer away from, try to forget about that pass to Alabama, focus on the guy now, the talent now. And if he can just continue to improve and look, strong and accurate like he did i think accuracy was huge that touch pass he had down the sideline for the touchdown to um Devonte smith he had just the right amount of air under that ball i mean that was a real pretty pass it was it was wonderful and to quote his running stats he only ran seven times for 62 yards for 8.9 uh run per attempt average and just picking up on what you said about him his running ability he didn't just look at the one read and then take off he kept his eyes down the field. He paid attention to the pressure around him. All right. He didn't just take off. No. The only time he took off was when it was necessary. And the Falcons were blitzing the hell out of Jalen Hurts. That's another thing, too. He handled the blitz pressure beautifully. You cannot handle blitz pressure more better than Jalen Hurts did. All right. When Jalen Hurts needed to run, he ran. It wasn't his running ability wasn't a primary asset. But it's an it's an extra asset that he has, and I think if he continues to develop his passing at his passing trait, oh my gosh, with the ability to run, oh my gosh, Jalen Hurts, you you're, mm, I'm not even, you know what, I'm gonna pause. I'm not even gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. I'm excited though. There wasn't a lot of deep deep passes in this game, which is something that I expect to see more out of Jalen Hurts going on because of the question mark of what his arm is. I think he's proved that he has talent um, throwing the ball, obviously, and he can. People were questioning his arm strength, and I think he proved it. T, you brought up the Dallas Goddard throw. I mean, what a missile right through defenders, right to Dallas Goddard, right in the chest. Um, And I thought, I mean, it, it happened so fast. I didn't know where the ball went. He threw it so fast. Yes. But I think that we're going to see 
in this game against the Niners a a long ball to either Smith or Rager because I think that they're really going to try to to get to see how his his arm's going to hold up. I think it ultimately it depends on what the defense is going to give him. And they also talked about that in the press conference and the little bit of tape that I have watched. Um, the Falcons were not giving up anything deep. They were playing a lot of two safety high. They were not, they were really guarding against the deep pass. So that's the reason why we saw a whole lot of, you know, 10, 15 yard plays because they were really defending that deep ball. They know that these young Eagles receivers, they got speed. Their route running ability is tremendous. They were not giving up that deep ball. So the Falcons did an excellent job of taking the deep ball away. And I think Jalen Hurts and the entire offensive staff, they did an excellent job of countering that and saying, okay, well, we'll just take what we can get underneath. We'll nickel and dime you up and down this field, and we'll continue to score touchdowns. I love that. As we begin to put a bow on the Falcons game here, we have to mention the running back position. Pretty efficient overall. When they didn't run the football up the gut uh, with a draw or to the outside, they were really able to uh, Hertz take the snap and then dump one quickly right to uh, a screen in, in Sanders or Gainwell. They were able to really be efficient that way and score. I know Lane Johnson had that penalty, so Gainwell's second or first of his two could have been called a touchdown. Obviously, that came back, and then he scored later on the game. But Boston Scott seems to be the odd man out here. He didn't get uh, a lot of volume. I don't know if he got even a carry in this one. But, he did not. Uh, generally, did he get a carry? He did not. No? Yeah, so it looks to be the Gainwell show, and you guys know how high I am on Gainwell. Sanders, I will give him credit. You guys know I've been uh, pretty hard on Miles Sanders. But when he's not um, – I, I shouldn't say that. He is a guy that I expected to three-down workhorse. But if he's not truly that guy and the coaching staff knows it, it's great to see Kenny Gainwell – get involved and score. Um, and, and that's something you want to see. The running back rotation was great. The pass catching ability of Sanders looked better in this game that we've, than we've seen before. And even if it's not, if he struggles, you have Gainwell, who's a great pass catcher as well. So uh, I'm excited. And this is kind of what we talked about previously, right? We talked about uh, the question marks. We have to stay patient. We have to see because there's new Kenneth Gainwell. There's a new Jay, well, not shouldn't say new, but uh, a first-year starter fully in Jalen Hurts. I mean, there's Devontae Smith. Uh, with with his short stature and blah 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 blah, Jalen Rager, the inconsistency, uh, Dallas Goddard and and Zertz, how would they be utilized together? There's just so many question marks, and that's one of the big things that I take away is we got some answers at least to I think a few. It looks like it's Sanders number one, Gainwell definitely will get uh, maybe forty or maybe even be split at times uh, depending on the game script, and you have. Uh, Hurts being able to really get Rager, Smith, and it looks like Goddard are your top three options in the passing game. Quez, maybe two. Uh, and that's where your deep ball opinion comes in, Trey. Maybe we'll see, or uh, Trey, uh, T uh, or Tanner this weekend. Jeez. But uh, generally speaking, overall, let's look forward uh, and ahead to this San Fran game. You have Raheem Mostert uh, tearing cartilage in his knee. He's going to miss eight weeks. So the running back one's out. Elijah Mitchell steps in, 18 carries. Uh, had a pretty efficient game. It looks like he might be utilized heavily. Trey Sermon was a healthy scratch. I don't know if he'll play in week two as well. Wayne Gallman obviously traded and cut. Uh, he's now with the Atlanta Falcons. So the running back room there uh, is short. One guy with Mostert out. Jason Verrett is feared to have torn his ACL. So that's a corner uh, who the 49ers will be without in week two. There's been possibility of activating Josh Norman, who they recently acquired, and possibly a reunion with uh, Richard Sherman there as well in a quarterback or a cornerback position in the secondary. So there's definitely opportunity 
uh, to take advantage of a few weaknesses. What do you guys expect to see uh, the Eagles? W- what's their plan of attack um, coming up this this weekend against the Niners? Because it's definitely two different defense that they're going to face in the first two weeks, clearly, talent-wise. Well, in terms of what the offense for the Eagles need to do against this defense, it's like you said, you know, Justin Ferrett, um them losing him is a huge is a huge blow to their secondary. So what me and Tanner was discussing about the deep ball, the deep ball might be a factor. Now here's the thing. Now Josh Norman, Josh Norman hasn't been Josh Norman for a number of years now. All right. So if Josh Norman's going to get to start on the outside, all right, I'm smelling burnt toast already. They need to attack that side. And I think Really? So you think I, he's gonna be burnt toast? Josh Norman has been did you see what that that man was murdered on the field last year by Derrick Henry? That Josh Norman has that nothing. That was Derrick like, Henry though. Yeah, but know. yeah, he is he's not what he wants no, he's not to the be. same guy, but I don't know if I'm a, I'm gonna go out and say he's burnt toast. No, nope, that's the I burnt mean, toast. Burnt toast to me is Michael Jaquette. That's burnt toast. <laughs> I don't know Ronald if Darby. Yet, but he, he, he with his age, he could be on his way. Uh, one thing I saw I wanted to mention, too, is the secondary for the Eagles. They weren't really heavily mentioned, and that could be a good thing, right, because we didn't really see too many negatives. Uh, they held their own. They, the defense as a whole only gave up six points. There wasn't any big-time deep plays uh, that were uh, really, uh, I guess, uh, presented or the opportunity for the Falcons was presented is where I was going with that. So uh, it was good to see, you know, obviously Nelson and, and Slay on the outside Rodney McLeod still working his way back from injury in the safety position. The Eagles also came away relatively healthy. I know Epps got banged up there with the concussion as mm-hmm. well, but relatively healthy through the first game, which is what you want to see. I, I completely agree with you, but yeah, I, I still say Josh Norman. That's the guy who you need to attack. And honestly, I would test that long ball. I would test Richard Sermon's speed. Richard Sermon doesn't have the same speed like he used to, especially with now him, um, those injuries really catching up to him. I would test Josh Norman's speed. All right, I would test Richard Sermon's deep speed. But you want to see some long – you don't want to – because I don't think that's – the Eagles didn't win that way this past weekend with the Falcons. They the Eagles didn't dunk. win that way because of the way the Atlanta Falcons' defensive scheme was. The, the way the way the San Francisco 49ers play, they play they one safety lot, high. They don't blitz a lot, but they play one safety high. Their corners are usually impressed man coverage, all right, which means, which means those corners are going to be on an island. You need to take advantage of that, okay? And then – in terms of our, in terms of where we have an advantage at, we have speed at three wide right receiver positions. All right, so even if the two outside guys are shut down, you still got to contend with Quez Watkins in the slot. Speed is going to have been, speed is going to be the way to beat this San Francisco 49ers defense. Mark it down right now. Speed, go deep. Let's start stretching out those young guns. Let's start sending them deep. Jalen Hurts, get that arm ready. Get that arm prime and ready. In the terms, it's fair enough to say. It. And in terms yeah, of what the, the, the speed, oh, the speed is going to be a factor because uh, you have Josh Norman, who, I mean, uh, yeah, Max, I, he he did get burned a lot last season, he or did. the season that that he did play. Um, I remember I was at the Washington football game, and he just was just laying around the field. I mean, it was embarrassing for him. And imagine if the 49ers call up Richard Sherman, and you have Richard Sherman and Josh Norman, two guys out of their prime. I mean, what a meme that would be. I mean, you these guys both are, are notorious trash talkers, but having rookie wide receivers just um, burn them, that would be something to see. Um, I, I think really experience is going to go into that matchup uh, between the wide receivers and the cornerbacks. But, you, yeah, like I keep saying, I mean, Jalen Hurts is, is 
going to test out the the arm in this game. It, that's just what I think is going to happen. And people are bringing up oh, how the Eagles just beat the Falcons and it's just the Falcons. The 49ers almost lost to the Lions yep. and they barely won. I mean, this is, this is like the same thing. And then they're coming into this matchup banged up. I think this is going to be a lot. This is going to be a closer game, obviously. But I, you know, I, what are they three point favorites going into this game? They now? are. They are three point favorites. The last time I checked, I'll check again as you're as you're talking. I guess that's a fair enough line. But I mean, if I'm Vegas, maybe I would lean more towards the Eagles in this matchup. Just um, going on how the 49ers performed Week One and adding the injuries into it. Jimmy Garoppolo, as we know. Okay. Um, not a talented quarterback, T, right? Yeah, real quick. Um, so they the line started off at minus four for San Francisco. It's moved a couple of places. It's moved to minus three and a half. But a lot of places it's still minus four. So, you know, it's still going 50-50. Listen, they took advantage of Matt Ryan's, uh, you know, immobility. And uh, now you might not – Garoppolo's obviously younger, a little bit more elusive, but at the end of the day, still not any world beater by any means. And I think that's where the Eagles really need to attack. Their defensive line seems to be, in my opinion, on paper, and also after week one really dominated the trenches. I think they they need to put pressure on Garoppolo. You might see a little bit of Trey Lance sprinkled in there as well. Trey Lance actually threw a touchdown pass, uh, I believe, in week one as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how much they utilize Trey Lance. Justin Fields with with the Bears was also utilized partially too. So I don't know, obviously two different teams, but similar styles of play as far as how they utilize both of their first round quarterbacks. So Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think he's going to beat you. You know, you really have to lock in on George Kittle. You know, he's their number one weapon and uh, you faced a good tight end in Kyle Pitts. So hopefully that game script can be played uh, similarly because of the fact that you just locked down Kyle Pitts. Now you got to go out there and hopefully try to lock down Kittle, who's a better player, but same kind of game script. You also have Debo Samuel who exploded against the Detroit Lions. You have to be able to stop him. And then you have Brandon Ayuk, who's the key for me because Brandon Ayuk, I don't think was on the field at all. He's a guy that was highly touted. Um, and you talk from a fantasy football's perspective, even guy that was going in the fifth, sixth round in some of these drafts, the guy had zero catches for zero yards. We know he's talented. I just don't know what Kyle Shanahan's thinking and how to use him because when he's on the field, he's usually dynamic, but similar game script. You have Debo Samuel, who's not as good as Calvin Ridley, but you'll have George Kittle, who's a little bit better than Kyle Pitts, obviously. So it could be uh, from a defensive uh, game plan, relatively similar because you have now Mike Davis, who again, isn't really that good. And you have Cordell Proudston, who's more of a change of pace back. Same thing comes in here with Elijah Mitchell, who hasn't shown uh, much at all. This guy's a rookie, and he just had one, not even a start, but he had to come in in place of Raheem Mostert. So similar game plan. You're at home. I could see a win. I mean, we'll get to our predictions coming up soon, but I could definitely see a path to a win here. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely seeing a path to a win here. It's like I said, if the offense takes advantage of those corners who, you know, aren't exactly – you know, in their primes anymore and have taken a step back in terms of speed, I do think this can be a win for the Philadelphia Eagles. And in terms of their defense, look, it's like you said before, they got a lot, they got a, they got a, a couple more weapons that they have to deal with, more potent weapons, I will say, in Devo Samuel and George Kettle. I mean, those are two extreme potent and dangerous weapons that this 49ers, 49ers offense possess. Not to mention the fact that, you know, here's where, this defense is going to have to be really disciplined because Kyle Shanahan likes to implement the run extremely into his game plan, which 
also includes a play-action pass, and that's what opens things up. So these linebackers are going to have to be very, very disciplined going into this. That's the only thing I have con- I have a concern with. I think that the 49ers are going to score against this defense because, look, it, the 49ers offense is still a very potent offense. There's no denying that. And eventually a play-action pass is going to go over your head. So I do think this 49ers offense is going to score. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I think it's still going to be in a favor of the Eagles. Yeah, this game, I mean, we can keep saying it over and over again how close this game's going to be. But honestly, after watching how the Cowboys played against the the champions and how the Eagles played against the Falcons, we really don't know. It's too early in the season to be able to predict these scores and how teams are going to go out to the field. And one, you have the Eagles coming off a matchup against the Falcons and the 49ers coming off a matchup against the Lions. So until these teams get equal opponents, it's it's going to be hard to predict. But I think this is where you can start to tell what team is, who these teams are. And for the Eagles, this is very important. This is Nick Sirianni. This is his first game at the link, his first regular season game at the link. And some of these guys are going to have to get used to how loud the link is, especially this season when everyone's coming back, everyone's in person here. And that's going to be another factor. And uh, it's going to, obviously that's going to go against the new guys who are getting used to it. And the 49ers because Jimmy G is an experienced quarterback, but he, there there's still room for improvement, obviously. And for the performance that he put on was impressive. And they have Trey Lance, who was only out there four plays. I believe he completed one pass for a touchdown. But I think, for me personally, I don't think Jimmy G is going to be able to keep up the same performance the entire season. I don't think he's that consistent of a quarterback. And, I'm yeah, I'm going to go with the Eagles here. If, if, if we're starting our predictions, I'm going to go 23-20 Eagles. See, you're up next. Uh, I said it was going to be high scoring, and I meant that. So I got 31-28 leaning towards the birds. Oh, man. Do we all going to bank on the Eagles here to win this game? Uh, oh, man. For me, listen, I think the kicker is going to come into play here. I didn't see enough of Jake Elliott uh, in week one. I wanted to see a little bit more of them. I think they went for it a few times where they could kick a field goal. Um, Robbie Gould is pretty automatic. I think it's going to come down to kickers, which means, in my opinion, it's going to be either a six or a three-point game. Uh, I think the Eagles probably can get to 20 points. I think the 49ers can also get to 20 points as well. So I like Tanner's prediction of 23-20. I'm going to go one better and say 24-20. The the birds get it done this weekend. And I can dig that. I can definitely dig that. Um, In terms of going around the NFL, I I just got to say this real quick because I think it was just hilarious. So I checked uh, during the day Sunday, I checked – uh, Indianapolis Colts Twitter. And it's funny how some of these things are popping up. One of their beat writers had said that, you know, the, and this is true. This is statistically true that the Indianapolis Colts last season was statistically the best offensive line in the NFL. Now, all of a sudden, they're playing like the worst offensive line in the NFL. Carson hmm. Wentz. Hmm. I wonder what, I wonder what changed. Hmm. It is funny because looking at their Twitter, They're saying the same exact things that we were saying throughout the entire season. And it's funny how as Eagles fans, we were attacked. We were said, we, you know, we were blamed for running Carson Wentz out of town and not appreciating who he is, but they're saying the same exact thing. Now 
things now. And I, I just think that's funny. It really gives is. people what they want to see. Oh, you gave me what exactly what I want to see. And that was an L. An L. And how does, I'm still befuddled how he fumbled on a quarterback sneak. Y'all going to have to help me out on that one. Well, see, you got to remember, you got to remember, it's Carson Wentz here. All we're focused on is him playing 75% of the snaps. Luckily, he was able to play the full game in week one. That's got to continue. The Seahawks played well. You had Tyler Lockett with a couple of big-time touchdowns. Russell Wilson looks up be already in midseason form. DK Metcalf getting involved. Seahawks are a tough team. That whole NFC Definitely. West is really going to be a tough division. So it's going to be it's going to be worth noting, worth watching all season long. Who's going to be involved in that division? Because you have the Cardinals too, who dominated on the road um, in Tennessee as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and we'll all be with it uh, and with you guys, catching you guys up, giving you guys opinions uh, throughout the rest of the season. All gone right. I just have one more thing to bring up. This is kind of breaking news. Uh-oh. John Wall and the Rockets are going to work on a trade. So this could potentially involve the Sixers. I'm not. I'm not. It always is involved. It too always much involves the Sixers. But always, there's another trade involved. candidate. Well, oh, listen, no! Wall off the bat here, a guy who's probably past his prime, a guy who battles injuries a lot. I don't know if it's somebody I'm necessarily looking at. I mean, there's yeah. definitely guys out there I'd rather have. I mean, Colin Sexton, Malcolm Brogdon come to mind uh, who've been floated out there. I know the trade with the Timberwolves is also on the table, even though they don't want to part ways with D'Angelo Russell. But, again, it's something that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We all expect it to. But, with Chick T, do you, are you saying you would be interested in John Wall? Mm-hmm. I mean, no, at this I'm point, good. it's I'm good. it's either you have a star on your bench who you're playing, not playing at all, or who you're paying and he's not playing at all, or you get at least something for him. I would hope to get more than John Wall in a trade, though. I mean, there's yeah. got to be some other yeah. assets. I mean, we're talking about picks too, obviously. Yeah, assets. Picks, added to it. A bench piece, maybe. I mean, I don't. I know they don't have a lot in Houston right now, but Christian Wood back would be awesome. Can we get Christian Wood? I mean, that dude well, was a beast last year. My thing is, where would Christian Wood play at? Doesn't Christian Wood play the power forward position? Yeah, but see, you can always move Toby to the th- – I mean, I'm just – Christian Wood is, one, a summer league player into an NBA – not a star yet, but he's got he's got a high ceiling, Christian athletic Trump. ability, and he can score too. So he's almost like a Paul Reed, only a lot more mature at this point in his career and a lot better, uh, but the same kind of skill set. So it'll be interesting to see. I know we got to get to the Phillies here real, right. real quick. Um, would the, you, uh, hold on. Would the Rockets even interest be interested in making a trade with Daryl Morey? Yeah, of course they yeah. would. I mean, listen, they're a whole they're in a whole rebuild. They're they're anxious to get rid of John Wall, a guy who came in, didn't work out there. He's an older vet. He's not gonna hang around for this rebuild with the young guys. You got a guy like Ben Simmons in there who we don't care personally about his happiness. And I'm sure he doesn't want to go to Houston, but just to get him the hell out of the city. I think all of us would be on board. And as long as they negotiate well, uh, respectfully, make sure that you get the best you can get, I think, yeah, they would be open to to doing a deal because Daryl Morey certainly has no hard feelings. The Rockets, on the other hand, maybe a little bit. But listen, Morey did what he could. He always tried to go out there and get a big fish. He was able to get hard and try to get Russell Westbrook. Uh, Chris Paul was there for a while. Stuff just didn't work out, but he was always trying. Just like I said, I, I don't care what y'all do as long as just as long as Ben Simmons just get the f- out. That's, that's all I care about. All right, see, all right, see, real quick here. I know the Phillies uh, another week down. We got about seventeen or eighteen games left, so I know the pain of you having to bring up the Phillies and talk about them is is dragging. It's really slugging along in a hundred and sixty-two game season. Who's but dragging? for you, I'm sure you got to be feeling happy with what you saw in that Rockies series, a team that just got embarrassed on their home field, um, and it's a team that. They Not that they fall apart because they've kind of just been middle of the pack the last two years, but 
you know, they get your hopes up, they get your hopes up, and then it gets to be end of August, early September, and they just can't get the job done. And it feels like right when we start to lose interest because football season is right around the corner and we watch the preseason games and blah, 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 we kind of lose focus on the Phillies and they become second. It's like, okay, in the Phillies' mind, you guys want to put a second, we'll just start losing games. And that's exactly what it feels like right when the tables turn the corner, uh, right when we turn the corner, I should say, uh, and focus on the Eagles. It's like the Phillies, they take a back seat and and things just seem to fall apart. But I know Tanner's still on the way. Well, first and foremost, I'm, I'm... – I'm never happy when they lose. Let's not get that straight right now. You are. You're happy when they I'm, lose. You're I'm not lose. happy when they lose. It's still a Philly team that I support. Liar. They're not <laughs> Shut up, Tanner. They're not coming up, all right, to expectations. All right, we expect this team to win, especially in a series against the Colorado Rockies, and you only win three out of the four games. I'm sorry. Y'all wanted to stay on... I'm laughing at y'all. I'm disappointed in y'all because y'all wanted to stay on the bandwagon. Y'all don't see the pattern that this has been going on now for the past two, three seasons where we have all this talent, but yet and still when the month of September comes, we can't win the games that we're supposed to win. Y'all see this pattern. Pattern. We've been through this pattern. It's around the time that we started doing this podcast. I can't argue with you. I don't really have any. This is a conversation where I just, you're right, you're right, you're right. Like, I agree, not by head. I, 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 they just suck me back in. I'm like, oh, the schedule's favorable. They play the Rockies. They're a shit team. Oh, wait, did we lose three out of four at home to the Rockies? Oh, the Phillies have a good home record. Hopefully, they're, they're playing the Rockies. The Rockies are 18 and 50. Let me repeat that 18 and 50 on the road. And it's like, okay, we can get three out of four sweep. It doesn't happen. So for me, see, I agree with you. I can't, I already stated, I mean, internally speaking to myself without the crowd listening, I gave up on this team. Uh, but publicly speaking to everybody right now, I still have to stay on the bandwagon, unfortunately. So, I don't want to do it. So, I, I don't want to do it because I know they're just going to hurt me in the end. They are I, I like that Tanner's still on. God forbid. God forbid. I'm done. I can't. I'm a loyal I'm, I'm fan. St- I can't. I can't do it. God forbid. I'm, someone here is a loyal fan because it is so easy to just jump off bandwagon like T constantly does with every Philadelphia team. But I mean, it's easy to be critical of a team you're not rooting for. I mean, what is this T T come on. I mean, if the Phillies make the playoffs, you're over there in your room, jumping around, running circles around your bed. It's 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 the right. I understand. If if we see how the Braves play against the Rockies, if the Braves don't get a sweep, the Phillies still have hope here and the Braves still have, the Giants and the Padres. We're just four and a half games back here. I don't understand all this negativity this late, though. because why aren't you used teams. to it? Why There's aren't you used to it? This team left. is playing better than they have played in the last couple of seasons. Hey, Tanner, you know what I'm used to? You know what I'm used to with the Phillies now? I'm used to Jumping them bandwagons. Yes, T, I'm I know what you're used losing, to. losing, okay? I'm sick and tired of giving my holds up year in and year out, thinking that this team is going to do what they're supposed to do, beat the teams that they're supposed to. They have not done it in the past seasons, and it's happening now. And if y'all want to be on the bandwagon until it crashes out, then guess what? Y'all going to crash out. I'm good. I'm on the football. That's all I got to say. Well, listen, let me me tell you something. We're in Philadelphia. Uh, we were born in the area. We were born as Philly fans. No doubt. I mean, why, why, what, where else are you going to go T? What, what other, like, what are you going to root for the, the giants now? Cause they made the playoffs T you would, you probably would. T, oh, come on. Because that's just who hey, you are. That's not who I am. I, and I you think, know it. I think what with four and a half out of the division, it's going to be extremely hard to win this division because there's only 17 games left. Four and a half is a lot at this, or this pay, this point in the season. 
the schedule for the Braves, if you want to make the argument that Phillies have an easy schedule, the Braves' schedule is also relatively easy. We're closer to the wild card, surprisingly. Surprisingly closer to the wild card than we are to the division. There's teams like the Padres ahead of us in the wild card. The Cardinals are ahead of us, the Reds. Those three teams are better than the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm sorry to say it. So the our Braves best have hand- the Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Padres, a four-game series with the Padres, and then the Phillies, and then the Mets. Like the th- Mets? this is the Mets. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. talking. I well, okay. Just highlight the one week team that I named, or you got the Diamondbacks too. But I'm Mets. telling you, this isn't. They don't have an easy schedule like this. Overlook it because we're four and a half games back. Um, it's so easy to get into this stuff when you're just reading like headlines or something for fans that are just down on the Phillies every every after every game on Twitter, just tweeting about it. You gotta this win is, the games. This is a team fans. that's not that hasn't made the playoffs in ten years. Okay, we, they just need to make the playoffs. I don't need them to look like the best team in the MLB, but I just need them to break that lead that the Braves have over them in the division and just stay pat. I mean, the Braves have not, they don't have an easy schedule. Uh, People like not a lot of people are saying that they have an easy schedule, but if you look at it, it's, it's not easier than the Phillies. Like the Phillies have an easier schedule. This is all I'm saying. My last point, and then I'll let you guys shut everything down. The Phillies have a very, very easy schedule. The Pirates still in the schedule. The the, uh, Orioles are still in the schedule. The Cubs coming up tonight, easy schedule. The Braves, I know the Giants are tough. The Padres have scuffled lately. They just got swept by the Dodgers. I know it's the Dodgers, but they scuffled as of late. Uh, haven't been playing their best baseball uh, at this point in the season. That's why the Reds and Cardinals have caught up to them in that wild card race. So they haven't been great either. Then you have the Rockies, who are one of the worst road teams in baseball. A good team should beat them at home, and the Braves should do that. You expect them to. The Diamondbacks are god-awful, the worst team in baseball. And the Mets, who they just have so much dysfunction going on in that organization. It's the last series of the year, by the way, too. So at that point, the Mets could be out of it, and they might just be like, screw it, we're not even trying anymore. That's kind of where I sit. Now, listen, am I going to watch the 17 games? Of course, I'm going to watch the 17 games. But you can't sit here and tell me that you have confidence, keyword, confidence that this team's going to make the playoffs. You just can't do it. If you watched how we lost some of those games, Ian Kennedy comes in that first game of that series, gets absolutely destroyed with that home run and breaks everybody's heart. We're winning in the eighth inning. Then you have the game Sunday, Aaron Ola. Oh, look at Aaron Ola, dominate, dominate, three, third inning, fourth inning, dominate, fifth inning, all of a sudden, boom, three-run home run, game turns just like that. I mean, they just punch you in the stomach. How many times? Do they, how many times do, you, do I punch you in the face before you realize that hurts? Yeah, all I gotta say is the next thirteen games: the Cubs, Mets, Orioles, and Pirates for the Phillies. That's that's all I'm saying. Matt um, Tanner, if you're hanging your hopes on that, then I'm sorry, but you're going to be disappointed in the end. And thirteen games, Ti. I didn't just name one game. I named thirteen games, and the matchups were between. Four teams, the Cubs, Mets, Orioles, and Pirates. Yes, bottom feeders. Are, are you guys watching the game tonight against the Cubs? Are you setting time aside for yourselves, homework aside a little bit, work aside, and you're going to check out a little Cubs fills? I, I, I don't have a choice. I mean, listen, I'll it's I'm baseball. Be in the WIP I'll check studios. the box score in the morning. Are you checking the box score in the morning, or are you watching the game? I don't have a choice. Listen, I'm be in the it's WIP baseball. Studios. Who watches Who watches an entire baseball game anymore? I'll turn it on the first inning, check back in the fifth, and watch the last two innings. But I, I'm I'm unfortunate. I got to watch the entire game being in the studio. All right, Tay, fair but enough. Look, I, I'm sorry, Tanner. I'm, I'm sorry that you feel this way, and I'm sorry that you know you have this blind faith. But 
<sighs> T, your cowboy me. shirt under the eagle shirt showing a little bit. Tuck it in. What do you mean? The cow- cowboys ain't got nothing to do with this, man. We're talking Phillies here. You know what? Let's say, Oh, man. we're talking bandwagon. That's what we were More talking importantly, about. importantly, yeah, yeah. Bryce Harper MVP. That's all I'll say. Yeah, an MVP with no playoff uh, appearance. Yeah, real nice. Anyway, you guys missed any of this episode. We can always, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. Available on all major downloadable platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the entire Shabazz. At least we have, it looks like we have one team to look forward to. Unlike the Phillies. Just saying. Phillies playoffs. Book it. Yeah, okay. Man, that's ludicrous. It's ridiculous. You piece of Swiss cheese. What? Bunch of low lifes.